Welcome to Logical. This is the UAE's first and, as far as we're aware, the only regular legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. Logical comes to you from the Dubai-based legal firm HPL, Yamalava and Plethka. And as ever, here's the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalava. It's so good to see you. So good to see you too, Tim. Thanks for being here, as always. Now, Ludmilla, today we're going to use this recording as an opportunity to offer an update on the current kind of state of play when it comes to unemployment insurance in the UAE. And this is new. It's probably not completely understood yet, but it's something that everybody's talking about. So let me backtrack. We have UAE Federal Decree Law number 13 of 2022. That's all about insurance for unemployment. Came into effect at the end of September last year. We've also got UAE Ministerial Decision number 604 of 2022 about the system for unemployment insurance. And what that did was further clarified certain aspects of the law. Uh, that came in at the end of November. So it's, I, I suppose it's good to set that, as it were, in stone. But if you just talk me through those two legal decisions to start with, if you would. Yes. So as you rightfully said, there are two main legal authorities that set out the unemployment insurance uh, legal framework in the UAE. And the main law, as rightfully said, was introduced uh, at the end of last year in September. And it set out just the general framework for uh, what unemployment insurance in the UE would mean. Because remember, this is a brand new law, a brand new concept. Nothing yeah. like this had existed before. So there was a lot of, uh, we knew it was coming, but there were a lot of questions about how it was going to take shape and what that meant for companies versus employees. Is it going to be the obligation of the companies or is it going to be the obligation of the employees? Is it going to be mandatory or optional, uh, given that it's it's an insurance policy? And in many cases, insurance policy is an optional uh, in optional policy. Uh, so the main law that was introduced in September of 2022 set out a, a few parameters uh, and in particular how the, the objective of the law uh, and how it was going to, um, in, at a very high level, take shape. Uh, then later in the year, in December, the ministerial resolution was issued that further clarified and provided specifics of the mechanism of how this insurance would actually be applied, uh, how you register, uh, along with also the fines uh, that would um, be applicable in the event um, people either don't register or register late. Uh, so, um, so that's basically how the, um, in terms of at least legal authorities, how they stack up. Uh, one of the um, perhaps the most notable uh, provision in the main law was about the objective of uh, of this unemployment insurance. What was what was the purpose of it? And so, as per that main law, the objective, the state objective, was ultimately to ensure income during unemployment, right, uh, and then provide. A form of social security, and this is important because let's not forget the UAE and the UAE, the majority of, of the residents here are uh, expats. Uh, so social security is, does not really um, attach to uh, uh, to the majority of the social, social security benefits as they would be perceived in other countries and usually are granted to citizens are not really available those kind of benefits to the uh, to um, expats well this law was ultimately is the obje- one of the objectives is to introduce a form of social security that would become available uh, for the majority of the population in the UAE if you will and also one of the other stated purposes was to uh, attract and retain world's best talent to the country 
And as we've discussed many times on this podcast, uh, a number of recent laws that were introduced in the UAE, including uh, the UAE residence laws, the immigration law, that is, um, um, cumulatively, all those laws seem to have a stated objective in terms of attracting some of the best talent into the country. So this is just yet another law uh, towards that overall goal. And truly so, uh, for all the the reasons I guess we're about to discuss, and as we've discussed before on on other uh, podcasts, in in particular regarding uh, employment laws, uh, you could see how this, um, uh, this new legal protection would certainly have the effect of attracting more people here and also allowing them to stay here longer without having to either exit the country or um, for immigration purposes or even for employment or financial reasons to have to, uh, uh, to leave the country because they cannot financially support themselves, for example. Uh, so that's, uh, that's so the main law was ultimately uh, provided the stated objective and then how it would work at a high level in terms of compensation. So uh, the uh, the purpose of um, of the unemployment insurance is that when a person loses their job, uh, then they will have temporary compensation, unemployment compensation, uh, and that would be um, a percentage of their previous salary. And the thing here, Ludmilla, is you you, you mentioned the the different visa categories, and there are a number now. But you can legally be in the UAE now looking for work. You can get a visa for that. But what this offers is breathing space, isn't it? If you do lose your job, for whatever reason, there you, you do have time. And that really wasn't legally the case before. Oh, exactly. And so as we've discussed before, uh, the, under the previous immigration laws, uh, expats had very limited ability to stay in the country uh, once they've lost their job. Uh, and that was both from the immigration standpoint and even from employment, because it wasn't often employers uh, would not necessarily cooperate in assisting employees to cancel their visas promptly and allowing them to um, uh, to switch over to another another visa, for example, of a new employer. Uh, so, and and from the immigration standpoint, the grace period is only one month or thirty days. Uh, so, um, so all these uh, previous laws made it more difficult for people and to. to Look for a proper job. Uh, so, and so what ended up happening, and we've talked about this before, is that people will just jump on any job mm. just because, just to be able to stay here. Because once you're here, and particularly if you've uh, either relocated your family here or built a family here, it's not so uh, easy to just to leave. But equally so, it's not so easy to find a job within just the 30 days. So often what would happen is people would take any job just so that they could stay here legally and also financially have some kind of bridge uh, to be able to support themselves and then as a result then they obviously if you t- if you take a job too hastily it's not necessarily going to be your long-term uh, ideal job and so often that means that people would resign shortly thereafter and the companies suffer employees suffer and and so it goes there's a whole sort of chain of events if you will so now in the in the next in the last two years, uh, three years, maybe uh, there have been so many positive laws that are now have created a lot more flexibility, introduced a lot more flexibility into the UAE job market and also immigration market. Um, So this is just an add on to that. So now from the immigration standpoint, you can stay in the country a lot longer. There's so many options to extend the visa, uh, to um, extend your grace period, to obtain a probation uh, visa, a job seekers visa. There's so many different types of visas that allow people to stay in the country legally uh, and continue looking for a job or come here and look for a job. 
and um, and and also from the employment standpoint, there are a lot more types of jobs are available, like part-time, contract-based, hourly jobs. So once again, there's a lot more flexibility for people. And now on top of that, now you have this unemployment insurance that further gives people the ability to tap in to some kind of financial compensation while they're looking for their ideal job. So many changes over the last few years. Now, so this is social security. This is about retaining the best talent. It, it's the march of progress, but it applies to everyone employed in the UAE. It's effective January the 1st this year. Deadline for compliance is June the 30th. It is mandatory, but it's up to employees, isn't it? Yes, and that was the big question. When the insurance was first in, introduced, uh, especially for businesses, was the big question was, well, does that mean now the businesses will have to pay for this for their employees? Because unemployment insurance, almost it's a, I guess that the presumption was that it was going to be the obligation of the company or the employer. Well, it isn't so. In fact, it is an obligation of the employees to subscribe to this insurance, one. And two, as you rightfully said, it is mandatory. So it is not optional. And that was another big question. So was it just a benefit that people could um, opt into? Uh, but as in particular, the ministerial resolution made it clear, it's not optional. It is mandatory and it is for employees uh, and um, to ensure that A, it's um, there's a convenient and efficient system to do so, and then B, that it is an enforceable mechanism. The authorities have come up with a very nifty and, uh, and multiple methods for people to make it easy to subscribe and for also to, uh, for the authorities to monitor. So for the time being, because uh, the, the law we're talking about is a federal law, right? But in terms of its implementation, it's being implemented on a kind of individual emirate uh, level. Right. And so for, in Dubai, for the time being, the uh, Dubai uh, has, or I guess the, uh, the Ministry of Human Resources and Amortization Department in Dubai has appointed the Dubai insurance company to be the insurance provider for this particular policy. And as part of it, uh, it's very easy to go just on the Dubai Insurance Company's website uh, and subscribe. But also, you can subscribe for all through from like ATM kiosks, uh, through SMS, uh, through various exchange houses, uh, and uh, and in so many other different ways. Which basically is there's almost like no excuse not to subscribe. One and then two because it's also going to be linked to employees, and I will talk about it later. In employees' files with um, the ministry, the Ministry of Human Resources and Amortization, or MOHRE, that if those who don't pay or don't subscribe will also be penalized through their through their Ministry of um, Employment or MOHRE file. Uh, so it would be very easy, ultimately, for government to make, make sure, to, to enforce the applicability or the application of this insurance plan and also to ultimately reprimand people in the event they don't subscribe. So, Lord Miller, the natural next question is, what does it cost? Because as soon as I hear cost to employee, obviously, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd start tingling, uh, essentially. <laughs> yes, indeed. And that's, you know, obviously, is, and, it, and we know insurance is rarely cheap to subscribe. Uh, but this particular insurance policy, I would like to um, suggest, is rather affordable. Okay. Uh, so there is two categories of policies, if you will, and they are based on individuals or employees' salary, uh, uh, monthly salary. So the first category is those who make less than fifteen, uh, less than sixteen thousand dirhams per month. Uh, let's say in in the dollar uh, in dollar value, it's about 
three or four thousand dollars a month or maybe less than four plus a thousand dollars a month that's one category and the other one those who make uh, over sixteen thousand dirhams a month and um, so that's obviously you know, from from five thousand dollars up so for those who are in the first category in this category category a again uh, below sixteen thousand, their subscription fee for this insurance is five dirhams per month, or sixty dirhams per year. Okay. Uh, those who are at the second category B and that uh, who who earn more than sixteen thousand dirhams per month, uh, their subscription fee is ten dirhams uh, per month, which is one hundred and twenty dirhams per year. Uh, so rather affordable. There's a third category of employees and those who are either uh, on a project basis, a commission basis or a bonus basis or who don't have a basic salary, they get to choose which one of these uh, policies they want to subscribe. Okay. Uh, so, And also you can pay for the, the 60 dirhams or 120 dirhams or 5 dirhams per month or 10 dirhams per month, however you want to look at it. Uh, you can pay either monthly, quarterly, every half a year or a whole year up front. Uh, so and as I mentioned earlier, it's to pay to pay it is very easy because you can pay it at uh, all sorts of mobile kiosks uh, on the website, um, the, through the call center, through ATMs, through exchange houses, through SMS. So it's really easy to pay. Uh, and there are two steps to um, to subscribing to this. One is to subscribe first of all as an employee, and then two to pay because you can subscribe and you can choose to pay every. Uh, every month, but you need to make sure that you continue to pay. And there are penalties that are attached to both of those uh, requirements. Uh, so the insurance, while the laws were introduced at the end of last year, at the end of 2022, the commencement for uh, for subscription uh, uh, kicked in on January 2023. So as of January 2023, now we there's the obligation to uh, to subscribe, and uh, now the system to subscribe is available. But we have until June 30th of 2023 to actually subscribe and to pay. And so those who, who those who fail to subscribe by June 30th um, then will be subject to fines, and that's a 400 dirham fine, which is about $120, uh, fine for failing to subscribe by June 30th. But those who have subscribed by did not pay because that too can happen. So if you can subscribe, for example, in January, you pay for the first three, four months, and then you stop paying, you have a three-month grace period to pay. And then after that, if you continue to fail to pay for your, the subscription, that is, there's a 200 dirham penalty. So basically, that's in terms of what it would take for you to subscribe to this insurance and how much it would cost. Now, in terms of the benefits... It's important to, um, uh, to to outline how it works and when it works. Uh, so first of all, in terms of compensation, you uh, you can ask for, um, uh, so the, I guess the, if you have to uh, call in or call on your insurance uh, coverage, uh, you will have um, 60% of your monthly salary paid. So let's say if you are, uh, making 10,000 dirhams a month, if you, that's your basic salary when you've lost your job and you cannot find a job, then you will have um, six month, uh, 6,000 dirhams per month available to you as part of this unemployment compensation. But there is a limit. It's only up to three months. 
Is that on basic salary or salary with, you know, additional benefits? How does that break? It's interesting because the law says basic salary, but as we have said on this podcast many times before, the way the courts define basic salary is basically all sort of your take-home, right? So your monetary take-home, regular take-home. So if your salary, for example, every month is um, 5000 in the contract, but you actually take home... Um, Ten thousand because the the remaining five thousand is uh, paid in term by by bonuses by regular bonuses or commissions, uh, then at least in legal terms all those amounts uh, do comprise the basic salary as far as at least end of service entitlements are concerned. So how it's going to be viewed from for the purposes of um, this insurance policy remains to be seen. But so far the suggestion is that it will be based more on the uh, on the salary stated in the contract. Uh, but perhaps this is one area that we will have to monitor and see how it develops because you can see uh, the argument for the basic salary to include your bonuses and commissions for purposes of this uh, unemployment insurance and not just for purposes of end of service. Uh, so, But that's one one particular area we'll have to um, uh, closely observe and then we'll share uh, along the way. Uh, so now there are a few other important uh, caveats uh, to this insurance is that we won't be able to tap into it until we've paid into the into the fund for at least one year so although we start subscribing and start paying as of january 2023 you won't be able if you lose your job let's say in june or august you will not be able to avail yourself of the benefits yet so the requirement is is to be paying or subscribing into the insurance policy for about um, a year before you're able to uh, call on the benefits uh, furthermore, uh, if you, um, let's say if you've lost your job and you tapped into the insurance policy and then you've exhausted it and then you get a new job, you work for a new uh, company and then you, um, uh, and then you, you lost your job again. Uh, so if you want to apply again, then you need to once again, so basically kind of restarts the clock. So you'll need to again, pay into the fund for a year before you're able to tap into it again. Uh, so I guess the idea here is also to uh, not uh, perhaps um, kind of to avoid potential abuse, right? Because if you know that every uh, every time you lose your job, you can just tap into this three extra months of uh, unemployment insurance coverage, then I guess it's easier to to, to leave your job and not so much to <laughs> not not to rush to find a new one. Well, you don't want to create a twelve months on, three months off culture. Exactly. So, the, I mean, yes, but at least, but at least you have uh, at least you have a tw- twelve months. But you, but if you are able to tap into it every you, uh, you know, without limitation, then you can see how people would take a job, work for three months, uh, leave, and then tap into the insurance for three months, and then and so on and so forth. So at least here there will be um, uh, there will be at least this one year period. One and two, you made an interesting comment because there are some exemptions or limitations in terms of who can benefit from this insurance. So, number one, there are some exclusions. So, uh, while the unemployment insurance is mandatory and applies to both private and public sector employees, there are some exclusions in terms of who cannot um, avail themselves of this benefit. One are the business owners. So if you're a shareholder of a business, as a shareholder, you will not be qualified or eligible for these benefits. So business investors or shareholders uh, uh, are exempt, uh, not exempt, I guess excluded. 
as our part-time employees and as our domestic employees. So domestic employees do not qualify. So this is important. Uh, we can talk about it perhaps at a different, in different podcasts. Uh, there could be other benefits that will ultimately be available for domestic employees for the time being. This particular unemployment insurance expressly excludes uh, domestic employees um, and um, from, you know, from this particular benefit. Also, there's a few other exceptions such as minors who are below 18 if they work, so they won't qualify. And also retirees, for example, who decide to work and officially maybe they're retired, but they work as well. So there is there's some limitations there too. Importantly, it also excludes, so these are in terms of just, I guess, the, the sort of the designation of investors or the designation of employees that are excluded, but also across the board. This only applies to those employees who are terminated and so not those who resign. So as to your earlier point, when it's it's less, so I guess, perhaps prone to abuse because it's it doesn't you don't have this benefit in the event you decide every twelve months to resign. So you need to have been terminated and not just voluntarily resign to be able to avail yourself of these benefits. And it also doesn't apply to misconduct, does it either? Exactly. So it's not like you could get yourself fired and think, Oh, I could have three months off here. Exactly. Yes, right. correct. So right. that's the other exclusion, and that is that if you're terminated uh, for gross misconduct, and it has to be obviously documented properly, but uh, if you're uh, terminated for just bad behavior, uh, then you also do not qualify. Now, I'm sure there will be some questions about you. What does that mean? How um, how it's going to be interpreted? And that remains to be seen. But I would imagine it's something that uh, you know, when we really done something terrible and and the, the employment law does provide for um, I, w- I would probably say if you were if i were to link it to the employment law it would be termination without notice so there is a there's a provision in the current ue employment law that allows companies to terminate employees for basically without notice in the case of gross misconduct so i would say if it would be those employees who are terminated without notice that ultimately would not be able to tap into this uh, into this insurance okay but if you're eligible for this, this is not just the public sector and the this is public and private sectors, isn't it? This is all of us. Well, yes and no. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yes, the <laughs> okay. the law the the law clearly uh, makes it uh, applicable to both uh, public and private sector, and it's a federal law. However, in practice, for the time being, employees of free zones do not have the option to subscribe. Okay. So that would exclude many people who, uh, in particular, as, as we know, in Dubai, there are so many free zones and there's so many employees that are based in free zones. For example, the MCC free zone is one of the largest free zones in the world. JAFSA is a massive free zone. So for the time being, uh, employees of free zones cannot subscribe. Hmm. Uh, so now we do think that this is not so much because of the law, because the law does not exclude free zone employees. Uh, but but more in practice. And this is because, as I mentioned earlier, there is mechanism for enforcing uh, subscription uh, and uh, ultimate penalties for uh, for, for you know, basically failing or uh, for failing to subscribe into the employment insurance. And that's going, it's, it's basically through what's the system called the WPS, which is a wage protection system. And so for the time being, historically, the wage protection system or WPS has only been available to mainland employees and not free zone employees, with one exception being JAFSA. Uh, so we think, I mean, this is more spe- a matter of speculation, but we think it's because of the, this mechanism, the, the free zone employees, uh, because we are not, or free zone employees don't have the WPS system, 
as part of uh, their employment arrangement. And therefore, until such time, uh, this um, perhaps unemployment insurance cannot in practical terms be made available to them because uh, from what we can tell for the time being, the unemployment insurance and enforcement of it is, is heavily reliant on the WPS platform. So, so, but if you were, as, as this is today, is, is talking January 2023, and it's um, closer to, towards the end of January as things stand right now, if you're a free zone employee, you can go on the Dubai Insurance Company's website and try to subscribe. And there is a clear provision there that free zone employees are not uh, eligible to subscribe right now. So that's, so as things right, stand right now, I would say another exclusion are these free zone employees. Uh, and um, until things change, uh, that's basically a fairly large category of employees in the UAE. And also one of the other, perhaps, again, practical factor, and we can talk about a dip, perhaps a dedicated podcast, is that uh, this unemployment insurance, as is the case with amortization, which we've, we've covered before as well, is being uh, regulated and um, enforced through the Ministry of Human Resources and Amortization, which is MOHRE. And so all these penalties are being discussed. It's all being governed and driven by uh, MOHRE. But once again, free zone employees are not subject to MOHRE. So the, for free zone uh, employees, the governing authorities are their free zones. So let's say if you're in DMCC or if you're in, in the DDA or the uh, Dubai Development Authority or like TCOM. So it's those free zones that are basically, that have their own version of the uh, Ministry of Human Re- of, of Human Resource Amortization, so to speak. Uh, so because of that, because so, so ultimately it comes back again to who is the governing authority. And right now the governing authority for this is Mohre. Free zone employees are not subject to Mohre. That's why Mohre does not have direct uh, ability to control and enforce uh, within the free zones. Uh, but um, as uh, as WPS perhaps is, um, system is kind of being rolled out across the UAE more extensively, we, I guess we speculated maybe there's just a matter of time before free zone employees are in one way or another are also being brought under the fold of uh, if not more directly, but at least this, um, uh, at least the, the the mechanism that allows them to enforce the unemployment insurance. That's kind of a case of watch this space, isn't it? We've seen so many changes; it wouldn't be unusual uh, to expect some more. But final quick question: You are enrolled in the scheme, and uh, let's look ahead a year, and you lose your job. Do we know anything about how you claim uh, at the moment? Yes. So you have 30 days, first of all, after you've lost your job, you have within 30 days from your termination, you have to launch a claim. And the claim right now, because um, until further notice, for now, is the Dubai Insurance Corporation or company, which, by the way, the website for that is www.dubins.ae. So it's, that's the Dubai Insurance uh, Company. Uh, and um, they w- they will be the one through whom you will also be lodging your uh, your claim for uh, for compensation, uh, and so um, you have thirty days after the termination to lodge your your, your claim. So remember not to miss that window, uh, and you need to mention in um, in your claim, for example, which the reason for. Uh, the work permit cancellation, so and whether it's termination or resignation, because remember, it does not apply to resignation. So this is quite important because when, and this is uh, uh, an important note for anyone who would ultimately tap into this because you need to make sure that whenever you, um, you end your employment in the future, that what's stated in your work, um, in your work, uh, work permit cancellation is the actual reason. So 
termination versus resignation, because if it states resignation, you will not be able to apply for this unemployment insurance. And this, by the way, is not a small point, because we often uh, hear employees asking, well, should I resign or should I just be terminated? Uh, and um, so this, if, if that question ever comes up, uh, then remember, if you just want to resign to preempt termination or you want to resign, for example, because you're trying to protect your reputation, and this we've had a lot of employees who are reluctant to be terminated and, and opt for resignation, and, and often companies give them that option to resign because they, they are afraid that it will negatively affect uh, their future prospects. So the whole idea of being terminated versus resigning just does not sit well with some employees. And so uh, over the years, we've heard a lot of uh, questions like that and, and um, have seen many employees who opt to resign just so they don't have this sort of, in, in, in their minds at least, like a black, black spot on their employment file. Well, now perhaps it's the time to reconsider uh, that particular uh, that particular issue because if you do, uh, in, in order to save your reputation, so to speak, if you do uh, decide to resign, then on your work permit cancellation, the, the reason for resignation, for reason for termination will be resignation and therefore you will not be entitled to uh, to avail yourself of unemployment insurance compensation. There's another point I just wanted to make very quickly. We discussed unemployment insurance in broad terms in another podcast. You can find that on uh, lylawyers.com website, of course. Um, but this does not affect end-of-service benefits. This is an entirely separate scheme, isn't it? Excellent question. Yes, indeed. So this is in addition to. So whenever you uh, you lose your job for one reason or another, you're entitled to a number of benefits, uh, some of which include in, in most relevant terms is what we often call in the UAE's end of service entitlements or um, EOS or gratuity. And that's calculated at a high level of 21 days of uh, your basic salary for every year of service. So it's let's say if you uh, if you uh, are terminated or you lose a job after three years, you have basically 21 days uh, for every year of service, 21 times three, and that basically is your additional you know, compensation for um, being terminated. And that's, you know, that's kind of, it's, to, to, uh, it's almost like a reward for your, the term of your employment while you were employed. And that's in addition to the notice period, which is at least 30 days and obviously unpaid leave and unpaid salary and whatever bonuses and commissions you might have otherwise earned. So these are all kind of the end of employment entitlements. And um, those entitlements remain. You don't lose them whether you resign or you're terminated as, you, as we've discussed in a different podcast. And so this unemployment insurance is an add-on to that. Um, however, there the were at least the main law as well provided for some comments that you can't abuse the system, right? You can't just, for example, find a job and work and then also tap into your insurance because that would be fraud, by the way. Uh, or equally so, you can't. You need to at least show that you are trying to work, that you're trying to find a job and not just basically use this as a holiday. Uh, and then, um, you know, and after that, either leave town or... Uh, you know, or then start looking after the three months period. So, I mean, there's a little bit of obviously common sense there and anything. So remember, this is um, the purpose of this is to help people, right? And not to help them abuse the system. So if you are going to try to use this to abuse the system, then um, that would be um, that would be considered fraud potentially. I think that covers it, Ludmilla. That's another episode of Logical Unemployment Insurance in the UAE. Some more details and update for you. Our legal expert, as always, Ludmilla Yamalava, managing partner here at Yamalava and Pleska. And a big thank you. Thank you, Tim, as always. 
Find us at LY Law on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. We've a huge, ever-growing library, hundreds of podcasts, all kinds of legal matters here in the UAE answered, and all free to listen to as well, or watch in some areas too. Uh, to have your legal question answered in a future episode of Logical, or to talk to a qualified UAE-experienced legal professional, click contact at lylawyers.com.